1: Welcome to MMA on the
0: Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 149 of the podcast. Today is Sunday, July the 14th, and we are coming off of a fight night from Sacramento, California. UFC Fight Night 155. Jermaine Durandamy and Aspen Ladd in a bantamweight, probably title contender eliminator. But before we get into that, Let me introduce my co-host all the way from what is probably getting to be sticky and humid New Jersey, Jeff. The animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this late Sunday evening, my friend? It's a late later
1: episode than we're used to doing. Well, I'm awesome. You know, I'm enjoying my summer break. Today was actually not too bad. It was a little breezy today, so it was a good day.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that's like, man. It's uh you're you're wearing the air like a coat for the rest of the summer here in Florida. Um, I went to Busch Gardens yesterday. Uh, you know I'm a frequent visitor of Busch Gardens. We have a, we have an annual pass. We like to take the baby and um, wife's cousins were in town with their kids, so we took all the kids to uh Busch Gardens. It was hot as fuck, man. Um, and, and we had to wait so long on the lines. Like usually we go we go during the off season where you could just walk on all the rides, but we want to, you know, do something nice for the kids. So we, we took them all there and, you know, I waited on the lines for the roller coasters with them. It was worth it because the kids all had a good time and you know, the baby got to hang out with her cousins and all the kids were really, really cute with the baby and everything. But man, I think my balls are still sweating. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a rough climate, man. I don't think people were meant to live here, uh, but yet here we are. Um, so, a couple of housekeeping things. You guys may or may not have noticed that there was an episode on Friday. Uh, I know some of you. Don't usually look for the episode until Monday morning and you, you listen on your commute to work or while you're working Monday morning or getting ready for work or whatever it is you guys do. However you consume the show, uh, we do appreciate that you're consuming it at all. But I did post an episode on Friday. It was an interview with Ultimate Fighter alumni from Season 22, Billy Quarantillo. He was on Uriah Faber's team on that season. It was the team USA versus team Europe. So you may remember him from that. He's also the King of the cage, lightweight champion. Uh, He recently dropped down to featherweight and he's going to be on Dana white's contender series next Tuesday. So a week from Tuesday, that will be July 23rd. So make sure you guys check that out um, and, and give some support to Billy. He he's a fighter in our Gracie Tampa network. He trains out of Gracie Tampa South, um, so if you remember him from the show, you know, check out some of his fights and definitely tune in. Let's, let's get the numbers up. Let's make this, uh, the most streamed episode of this season, uh, which has been pretty good. The contender series. We haven't been talking about it here on the show, but I've been watching every week. Like last week, they gave out five contracts, but, um, l- let's get the, let's get the streaming numbers up for Billy. Cause he, he's a really exciting fighter. He puts it all on the line every time he gets in there. Uh, never been in a boring fight. And it was a really great interview. I had a good time talking to him. So so go out uh, and go and check that episode out. That was um, episode 148 from Friday. So if you missed that one, uh, go back and check that out. And uh, let's, uh, let's get the numbers going for Billy Quarantillo because he's an exciting fighter. And um, I want to see him get his shot in the UFC because I, I know how hard he works. Uh, I know the kind of time he's been putting in. So I'm hoping it pays up for him. He's got a tough opponent, though. Uh, Kirk, the guy has never been finished, and uh, all of his victories have come by way of finish. So that's going to be an exciting fight, however, it goes down. Uh, these are two guys who who look to get the finish every time they're in there. So uh, make sure you guys tune in for that again. July 23rd, you catch that on the ESPN Plus app, and I believe the replays are on Fight Pass. Uh, I know I told you guys the wrong information. At one point, because I thought it was going to be on fight pass, but ESPN plus. So check that out. If you if you get it for anything, get it for this fight. It'll be worth it. You know, do the free trial and then cancel for all I care, but just get those streaming numbers up for Billy Quarantil. Um, and then one other announcement, I guess. So two days from now, July 16th, will mark three years of MMA on the rocks. And I gotta say uh, I fucking really enjoy doing this, Jeff. Um, (laughs) you know, this started out, we would, we would just be training jujitsu together back in Fort Lee. And, um, you know, we found out we were both MMA fans and we would go watch the fights and we spent a lot of time talking about the fights and breaking them down and, and doing our shitty analysis and, um, over some adult beverages. And it, and that's just how this show was born man we just we just love this sport um, you know we'd love some fine booze it's scotch month this month which I'm gonna get into a little bit later and um, you know we had a lot of great drinks we've had a lot of great laughs and uh, we had a lot of good times over the last three years I do appreciate everybody who's been with us from the beginning who's been listening from episode one when we were just terrible and I don't know I don't know how much better we've gotten since then but i know there's a lot more of you listening now and uh, i appreciate the fuck out of every single one of you i know jeff does too um i I didn't want to make a big thing out of it but you know three years um of doing anything is worth mentioning at least i guess so um yeah man jeff thanks for thanks for sticking this out with me for the past three years i mean i'm still having a
1: good time i don't know about you yeah, Bill, I'm having an awesome time. You know, I think we'd be doing this anyway. You know, we text during the fights, during the week leading up to fights, we're texting anyway. Um and yeah, dude, I mean, I don't think I've been this committed to anything, Bill, <laughs> like like high school soccer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but yeah, Bill, like I said, and in
0: another know, year we'll have passed that commitment. Yeah, exactly. Because right? high school's only four years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, I'm still having a really fun time with it. Um, you know, I'm trying to get my friends into watching fights because we'll go out to dinner on Saturdays and uh the, the dinner we went out to in Atlantic City, I was trying to explain what was going on to them and and uh they, they were getting a little bit into it. Um they're a bunch of nerds, so <laughs> um we might have to take the cold the Kobe Covington approach, you know, with the nerd bash thing.
0: Yeah. But- just call them a bunch of virgins and <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude. But um, but yeah, Bill. I'm having so much fun doing this. Um, and like I said, we'd we'll be doing this anyway. So, Bill. Speaking of, enough of the sappiness. Let's get <laughs> I don't know this. how sappy it was. I mean, we were... <laughs>
0: <laughs> get too emotional, on me, Bill. <laughs> I I think the only emotion was that that you're kind of sharing the fact that you have commitment issues. <laughs> I think that was that was the only emotion that came out of it.
1: No, it's not issues.
0: I'm just lazy, Bill. <laughs> but but, you, but you, you get online every week to do this. Um anyway, so that's that. 3 fucking years. I've seen a lot of podcasts come and go in that time. So yeah. and our numbers keep going up. So you, you know, whoever's bouncing off of those other podcasts that don't make it, I guess they're I guess they're tuning in to hear us uh have some drinks and talk about some fights. And uh, we appreciate it. So let's talk about some fights. Um let's get into it man. So, UFC Fight Night 155 Sacramento, California, um the the backyard of Team Alpha Male who had a fucking awesome night uh, for them. They won 5 out of their 6 fights and the one fight they lost was a a decision. So Team Alpha Male um looking in pretty good shape. Um, you know, including their their commander in chief your eye favor coming away with a victory at 40 years old against a 25 year old killer in Ricky Simone so why don't we just start there? Um, you know a, a little a lot of action on this fight there were a lot of good finishes and then it ended with a little bit of controversy. a lot of people thought early stoppages in the main event and the co main event. I'm, I'm gonna explain to you guys why I'm okay with both of them. Don't get me wrong. The, the referees, Mike Beltran and Herb Dean, definitely could have let these fights go on longer, both of them. But I'm going to give you my explanation when we talk about them, why I, I'm not overly upset with the stoppages. So let's start. I already started talking about Uriah Favor. So he dropped Ricky Simone with a big overhand right that he said he learned from Song Dong, who joined the Team Alpha Male crew um, you know, within the past year or so. Dropped him hard with that, and here's here's why I'm okay with the stoppage. The way Ricky Simone went down, he fell pretty much face first, and that's a clear sign of a concussive knockout. So as soon as Mike Beltran sees that, and also keep in mind, Mike Beltran was standing behind Ricky Simone, so he didn't even see that Ricky Simone didn't actually hit his face on the canvas, but it looked close enough to him doing that. Faber then followed up and yeah Ricky Simone was was kind of counter grappling a little bit um but then he was also still trying to go for a single leg when Mike Beltran was on his back uh pulling him off of Faber which tells me that he was not totally within his wits um I I wasn't happy with the the crowd reactions like they went crazy for Faber with the stoppage that was kind of a little early and then they booed Jermaine Dramany which was like Pretty much the same thing. Maybe a little bit more egregious of an early stoppage, but um, I was okay with it because of the way he fell uh, to, to make a short story of it because he was falling face first and he, he was on the Bambi legs and then Faber coming in and and was finishing with some big shots and, and the fact that he was still a little drowsy when Beltran was trying to pull him off and he wasn't even aware that Mike Beltran was trying to stop the fight. That's why I'm okay with this stoppage. What can you say about Uriah Faber, man? Two years on the shelf, 40 years old for a bantamweight is fucking insane. Um, you know, if this were a heavyweight fight, I wouldn't even bat an eye that he was 40 years old. But some of you may remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had John Beneducci on the show, The Manimal, and he is the oldest winning featherweight in Bellator history. And And think about how crazy this is, to put it into perspective. Bellator is where fighters go to die. It's like um, it's like a nursing home for MMA and they have older fighters, but at the lower weight classes, it's just not sustainable uh, to be 39 as a featherweight is crazy. So think about 10 pounds lighter than that as a bantamweight, 40 years old, getting a knockout victory in a co-main event against a top 15 fighter who is a killer in Ricky Simone. This is not a light, fight that they just fed to Uriah Faber to come back in his hometown. I mean, Ricky Simone is legit as fuck. Um, So I went on a little
1: bit of a rant there,
0: but um, give
1: me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. No, Bill, you're absolutely right, dude. Ricky Simone, a complete animal in this man weight division. And Uriah Faber came in and got his fastest knockout of his career in 46 seconds, dude. At the age of 40, I mean... What can you say about that, dude? Um, I wish that I looked the way Uriah Faber does now, and I'm 13 years younger than him. <laughs> um, the dude looked fantastic in there. Uh, I was a little worried at first because he, he had his hands down a little bit. He was taking a lot of shots, and then he just dropped Ricky Simone. And um, I agree with you, Bill. I didn't think that was a bad stoppage. Uh, my opinion on the main event's a little bit different. But, you know, Uriah Faber looked great in there um I don't know why he came out of retirement. I like we said last week. He doesn't need to mm-hmm. he's, he's a very very smart person. He's got a couple businesses Um unrelated to fighting mm-hmm. uh, He's got a clothing line. I think he's got a construction company mm-hmm. so, you know, he's he's pretty much set in yeah financially and You know, maybe he just got the itch and need to scratch it. But um, you yeah, know,
0: he also runs a little gym called uh, Team Alpha Male.
1: Who are, who are those guys? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but in all seriousness, man, um, you know, Faber looked great. Um, I wouldn't be mad at him if he took another fight after this, mm-hmm. because I'd love to see him get back in there, man. But uh, you know, good for him, dude. Uh, I loved watching him get in into the octagon again. You know, as much as I. I'm a fan of Dominic Cruz. I'm a fan of Uriah Faber as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd
1: love to see them face off a fourth time if that's possible. Yeah, but, um,
0: that would be interesting. I mean, Faber called out Henry Cejudo, um, man, and uh, he he beat a legit contender. I mean, Ricky Simone is yeah. ranked 15th, I think. He's technically undefeated in the UFC, although he shouldn't be because in his first UFC fight, it was against Marab DeWalishvili, And that was the fight, you guys may remember, it was back in April of 2018 where uh, he had Marab in a guillotine at the end of the fight and Marab didn't tap, he didn't pass out, he stood up and walked around and was totally fine and he dominated most of the fight. He would have easily won a decision but they ruled it a technical submission to that guillotine. So He shouldn't have had that win but um you know it doesn't matter cuz on paper he got it he's 3 zero in the UFC now should anybody get a title shot after coming off the shelf for 2 years and and beating a, a number 15 ranked guy in the division absolutely not but if anybody's going to get that privilege it'll probably be Uriah Faber. And there'll be a lot of people who are very upset about that. Uh, myself included, because I would like to see that opportunity go to Aljamain Sterling. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is just the way the business works, man. Um, Uriah Faber is one of the most well-known and recognized athletes to ever step inside the cage. He's a legend. Uh, he gets to cut the line probably. Um, is it right? No, but it, is it likely that it'll go that way? Maybe, um, you know, it depends how the numbers were on this fight. And, uh, you know, how ha- Henry Cejudo's timeline, you know, favor's not getting any younger. Um, I definitely wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. Do I think it's the right call? Maybe not, but, um, you know, would I be totally shocked if that's the direction they went? Uh, no,
1: definitely not. Um, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I gotta disagree with you on this one. I think that um the way that Frankie Edgar, and we talked about this a little bit before, the way Frankie Edgar kind of may not deserve, but he kind of deserves that title shot against Max Holloway at 145. I think that same logic applies here. You know, you're a Faber. It's not like he retired. Um, too late. It's not like he had a bunch of losses on his record and then retired. It's not like he was getting hurt a lot and retired. You know, he retired um, and and he was still running the table in this band weight division, dude. Um, you know, he, he was one of the guys you had to beat to even get a title shot at band weight. So I feel like, you know, this win, he looked really good. I feel like Maybe he's not deserving a title shot, but I wouldn't be opposed to him getting one. And I feel like that's kind of a dream matchup, dude. Um, Uriah Faber, very well-rounded, a very good wrestler in his own right against um, Henry Cejudo. I think that's a great matchup to make. Um, unfortunately, Bill, your your marketing brain is starting to rub off on me. So <laughs> I feel like that puts more butts in seats than Aljamain Sterling uh, versus Henry Cejudo. And he yeah. still has time, so...
0: Yeah, and it's tough, you know, because Faber has a loss to Jimmy Rivera, who Aljamain beat uh, in dominant fashion. Um, And and before that, uh, he had a loss to Dominic Cruz. Uh, So if he had stuck around and been fighting all this time, I, I don't know if he would be near a title shot, but because, you know, he was able to make such a splash in the comeback and everything. And him and Henry Cejudo actually have a history as well. When Henry Cejudo was first talking about, Doing MMA, he went out to Team Alpha Male and supposedly Uriah Faber just totally worked him over in the gym. And Cejudo has had a vendetta out for him mm. ever since. Like, he's always wanted to fight him. Um, so that's another thing that can make it happen. You know, if the champ wants to put it together, um, you know, the triple champ um, might might make it happen. So uh, just be prepared. You know, all of you guys who are so gung-ho about following the rankings and everything, um, just remember that the rankings are, are a completely made-up entity. They don't really mean anything. They're just for media purposes to help people understand the sport a little bit better. At the end of the day, these decisions are are made to run the business. And and the, the fucked-up thing about MMA fans is there's going to be a lot of people who are rooting for Holly Holm and, and wanted to see her get that title shot against uh, Amanda Nunez last week and um, you know it's the same thing she had lost you know four of her last six or whatever it was and uh, you know rankings wise she shouldn't have been in there with the champ but you know she's got the name recognition and everything like that Um so just keep all these things in mind uh, you know just don't get too caught off guard when something happens that seems to be out of the ordinary like I just don't want you guys to be surprised in any case being him surprised, Aspen Ladd was kind of surprised when the fight was stopped by Herb Dean 16 seconds into the main event against Jermaine Durandamy. So Jermaine Durandamy dropped Aspen Ladd with a really clean shot. And it put her on her butt. And Aspen Ladd immediately scooted back. J- Duranemy swooped in with a second shot that seemed to like barely glance the chin and it looked like it hit her in the chest. And Herb Dean jumped in um here's why i'm gonna say i was okay with this stoppage now it was definitely an early stoppage don't get me wrong they could have let this go on we all know how tough aspen lad is but everybody saw the video of aspen lad weighing in and she looked like death warmed over she was twitching on the scale um she had to weigh in completely naked she looked totally sucked out she looked like she was gonna have organ failure um as a matter of fact, it's, it's a surprise that the California state athletic commission even let her compete because if this had happened in New York, you can guarantee she would have been pulled from the main event. If, if that display had happened at a weigh-in for a fight at Madison square garden, Aspenland would not have even gotten the opportunity to get in the cage against Jermaine Duranimi. Now I bring that up because everybody saw that video, including Herb Dean. You know, Herb Dean is is not a dumb guy. He's up to date on MMA. He follows everything. He knows everything about all the fighters. He's watching all the news, all the social media. He's very educated about who he is refereeing inside the cage. He saw this video of Aspen Ladd almost collapse on the scale. So when he t- saw her first take, take that first clean shot that put her straight on her butt, um, you know, he's already thinking I need to stop this thing. And then he may not have had the best angle when that second shot landed. And he thought that was clean. And, um, her eyes looked a little glazed over, but that's kind of how Aspen lad looks. She always kind of looks like her eyes are glazed over a little bit. Um, so, you know, he jumped the gun a little bit, but he was erring on the side of caution. He was thinking about the fighter safety. He saw Aspen lad almost die on the scale the day before. And he didn't want her to take any unnecessary shots, which, you know, maybe she would have. Maybe she would have been able to recover guard or, or get back up or we don't really know because we can get to see it. But um, if you let Duranami, who's a really powerful striker, you know, Muay Thai kickboxing world champion, had a, like close to 60 Muay Thai fights. You let her get in there close against a girl who's rocked and drop down some hammers on her. Um, and, and then, you know, everybody's bringing out the torches and pitchforks for Herb Dean, um, because he let this girl who almost died on the scale, almost die in the ring, um, in the cage rather. And, and that's why I'm kind of okay with the stoppage. Um, but at the end of the day, he definitely should have let it go longer, but, um, you know, that's, that's why I wouldn't say that this even would stand a chance in, in an appeal considering that a lot of athletic commissions wouldn't have let her get in the cage in the first place. So that's my thought on it, Jeff. Um, what do you think about this main event and and how it worked out?
1: All right, Bill, I'm going to, I'm going to give you both sides of the equation here. So, um, you know, I didn't watch the ins. So to me, it was an early stoppage, you know, it felt like Aspen lad could have kept going after that second shot on the ground. But once you, and you gave an awesome explanation and that, um, you know, being able to put it into that context, I think it was the right decision from Herb Dean. Like you said, you know, you can't put a fighter at risk like that. We've talked about how you know your brain needs to be hydrated; your brain needs water, and um, you know, getting knocked out or something—it it definitely takes a lot more out of you when you are dehydrated. We talked about it when uh, T.J. Dillashaw lost to Henry Cejudo. And honestly, Bill, I, I, you know, putting it in that context, I gotta, I gotta side with you on this one. I think it was a good stoppage. You know, Aspen Lad can always recover from a loss. She can't. You know, it's gonna be harder to recover from a more permanent brain injury or anything like that because she was dehydrated. Mm. Uh, uh. So you know, on that note, uh, I'm just not happy that Jermaine me won you know i'm not a fan <laughs> of hers. yeah um so you know from from that aspect i would have liked to see it keep going but you know all things considered i think it was the right call from herb dean
0: yeah and duranemi kind of screwed herself out of a, a title shot because she was already in the number 1 contender in the division she could have called out amanda nuñez they fought before uh duranemi lost to her before she went on this epic run uh to become the best female fighter on the planet and uh she did the old whatever the ufc thinks like come on you just knocked out this undefeated kid um you know however early stoppage or not on paper it's going to go down as a 16 second knockout and a lot of people aren't going to remember it because uh truthfully a lot of people probably didn't watch this card and you could have had your call out they could have cut up the promo to make it look like you knocked the shit out of aspen lad and then uh you could have called out the champ and and gotten the title shot but um you know once again she is her own worst enemy man she she gave up the the title at 145 and it looks to me like she gave up the opportunity to get the title at 135 because um you know she didn't she didn't ask for it so they're probably going to pass her over and, and wait for another contender to arise, or they're probably going to put Amanda Nunez a 145 and have her fight the winner of cyborg and whomever cyborgs fighting next. Um, as for Aspen Lad, this was tough too. I mean, the weight cut was, was tough to watch, but, um, you know, this happens a lot that you'd be surprised how many fighters look that bad. And then they're able to just put their poker faces on, get on the scale and then get backstage and collapse. um, it happens all the time. I've seen it in person. I've seen it uh in videos and you know, Durandami may have been just as dehydrated. She, you know, she's she's pretty thick for that division. She says she doesn't cut a lot of weight, but uh, you know, she's pretty well built. The other thing with Aspen Lad, she took this fight um less than two months after going to war with Sajari Eubanks uh in May. Uh so maybe too quick of a turnaround. Um, you know, I know she's super tough and she's got a lot of amateur experience, but Uh, She maybe should have pumped the brakes a little bit. I don't know what the rush was because this is a fairly wide open division. The the champ has cleaned out pretty much all of the contenders. Uh, So she had plenty of time to get on Amanda Nunez's radar uh, and do it the safe way. You know, not taking a fight uh, two months after going to war. Um, In any case, let's move on. Uh, Another team alpha male guy who had a great night, Josh Emmett. Uh, looked really good against Mursad Bektik. I didn't know what kind of fight this was going to be because it's two really tough guys, two really hard hitters. Um, Emmett is is known for just loading up that overhand right and, and dropping people to the dirt with it. Uh, he's got to be one of the hardest punchers in this division. Um, and... It wasn't the overhand right that did it. It was this really stiff jab that dropped Bectic. And then once Emmett swarmed on top of him, he was just relentless. Uh, and eventually Jason Herzog had no choice but to step in. Um, I was okay with this stoppage. This one wasn't early because uh, Bectic was definitely rocked as tough as he is. Give me your thoughts on this fight from Josh Emmett, Jeff.
1: Yeah, dude, this was a really good fight. I mean, they were feeling each other out at first and josh emmett like you said he just landed this really stiff jab i was really surprised that beck uh actually went down from that you know the jab is not a punch that we associate with you know putting people on the floor Mm -hmm. um hey it was sweet dude and i thought it was a good stoppage good for josh emmett you know i was a little worried um after one of his previous losses i can't remember who it was but i remember it being a really bad knockout um so you know i'm i'm really glad that he's back in the win column really good fight i i figured this would be an exciting fight but i was hoping it would go a little bit longer bill Mm -hmm. and i'll be honest with you um i only caught the main card for this uh for this one but i i felt like there were a lot of really good gems in here like every fight was really really exciting
0: yeah for sure uh, i think the knockout you were thinking of was jeremy stevens he knocked him out with those elbows and uh mm. Emmett has had a lot of problems in the past with broken hands um uh, you know he punches so hard his his own hand doesn't want to stay together um so there's been those setbacks in his career um i believe he's had a broken jaw at one point too that was really hard for him to recover from um but yeah he looked great against a really tough guy emersad bektik so you know, hopefully he's injury free after that one. He's able to make a quick turnaround of it and, um, you know, get another fight soon. Um, Carl Roberson um, against Thurman Merman was uh, a. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help but think that when I see Wellington Thurman. Uh <laughs> In any case, uh, Roberson looked good, man. Um, he, he's going to he's been on a hot streak since coming off that contender series. And then I was telling you last week, Jeff, uh, not to overlook Marvin Vittori. Uh, you know, he got the unanimous decision over Mutante. Um, a lot of people probably would have thought on paper Mutante would have destroyed him, but um, you know, Marvin Vittori uh, went to distance with uh style bender, the interim champ, and it was a split decision, close fight. Um, so you, you can't count him out. And Uh, He looked good in there against Mutante. And then another unanimous decision, John Allen Arte against Mike Rodriguez. So out of those three fights, Jeff, um, which one do you feel like talking about the most?
1: I'm going to throw two of them at you because these were phenomenal. I was glued to my screen when I was watching them. Carl Roberson versus Wellington Terman. I really want to go over and uh, definitely Marvin Vittori versus says, uh, uh, because both of those fights, um, seeing them back to back. I thought that each one could have been the fight of the night up until I saw the other one. <laughs> simply.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are the really exciting, really back and forth. Um, you know, guys that, that they, the UFC wants to see in there. You know, guys that really want to go for it and go for the finishes and and uh you know never stop. Um Andre Feely, so another team alpha male guy with a, a big knockout victory over Shaman Marais. And uh, this was a big night for Feely not just because he's fighting on a card with five of his teammates. Um it was the first the day before was the first time he had seen his dad in 17 years because his dad had been locked up so he gets out he meets his dad and then i guess his little sister or something was in attendance as well so he was like i'm not gonna lose in front of my dad and in front of my sister and um you know sure enough he kept that he kept that promise to himself with a first round knockout over shaman marais um i know you didn't catch the the prelims jeff but uh i would encourage you to uh to To watch this one and, and go back and check it out. If I give you one fight uh, from the preliminary cards here,
1: I'm definitely going to check that one out. But Bill, if you don't mind, I did want to just jump back real quick to that Marvin Vittori versus uh, Mutante fight. Yeah, because, um, dude, Marvin Vittori, you said not to count him out, and I kind of did for a sec just because of the run that Mutante has been on. Mm-hmm. But uh, Marvin Vittori man, you you gotta give it up to him. He looked amazing in there. He had no trouble anywhere the fight went. On the feet he was looking good. Uh, in the clinch, he was looking really, really solid. Um, when it came to the ground game, Marvin Vittori was landing the takedowns. He was on top. Um, you know, and when Fededa did get into a good spot, Vittori was able to to get out of it. Um, you know, I was a little worried at the end because they're both looking really, really exhausted, but that was another thing, man. Um, you know, I, I, don't think Utante is used to, to being, uh, with his back against the wall here. And he was looking exhausted after the first round and the you know, his cardio just held up a lot better. Um, uh, you know, Ferreira is all bloody at the end of this fight. And Vittori was landing some really, really good shots later in the rounds, man. Once he loosened up a little bit, it was it was all of uh, Vittori for this one. And as for Carl Roberson, man, he's just a tough dude, you know. Uh, Wellington Turman, Jiu-Jitsu black belt and uh causing a lot of problems for roberson on the ground you know roberson he wasn't getting dominated but he was definitely in some bad spots and he was able to just explode out of them uh to me you know that's a win in its own right is not getting tapped by a black belt on the ground Mm -hmm. and uh, on the feet it was all roberson then uh this fight was super back and forth really exciting to watch and i i felt I felt like Roberson deserved the win. A lot of people started booing when they announced that he won. I have no idea why. The fight was exciting. Um, you know, obviously Roberson was getting the best on the feet. Turn mm-hmm. was doing really well on the ground, and Roberson would just explode out of things. Which, you know, uh, to me that that's awesome to see. You know, and him just not turn over and and let this guy choke him out. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was able to just. That's, that's all I needed to do was just not get tapped out because on the feet, it was all him. So two really, really exciting fights. Definitely recommend these two to go back and watch if you haven't already.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the judges just
1: didn't want to give it to Thurman Merman.
0: Uh, <laughs> that was the real reason. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of... I only have a few brief comments on the rest of the prelims. Juliana Pena coming back after a long layoff. Uh, Her last fight was against the current flyweight champion, Valentina Shevchenko, and last night she fought the first flyweight champion, kind of, Nico Montano, uh, who was stripped of the title a while back um, because she had some weight issues and pulled out of some fights and things like that. A lot of people thought Peña would easily submit Montano, but um, I I wasn't seeing that going into this fight. You know, Montano is someone who has always been, if you watched her on The Ultimate Fighter, someone who came through in fights that she was supposed to lose and fights that she was supposed to get dominated in is kind of her mo and she didn't get the victory here pena got the unanimous decision but you know she survived some really tough spots in this fight and you know she looked like a decent contender um i think she can probably bounce back if she figures out you know her her weight and whatever else she had going on and uh it's good to have juliana pena back inactive again because uh, she was exciting in the past with two Ultimate Fighter winners. Uh, The first Ultimate Fighter winner and the first uh, flyweight champion and uh, Ultimate Fighter winner, Nico Montano. Uh, Ryan Hall and Darren Elkins. This is a fight I was really intrigued by and You know, I kind of thought it would be either Darren Elkins grinding out a three round decision or Ryan Hall catching a slick submission. If you told me the way this fight went down, I would never have believed that Ryan Hall would outstrike Darren Elkins. But that's exactly what happened. He was throwing spinning wheel kicks and spinning kicks to the liver and spinning back fists. And he would throw this spinning shit and then drop down immediately into an Imanari. Um which is his signature move. For those who don't know, it's basically a roll into a leg lock position uh, to get his famous heel, ho- heel hook and get into his 50, 50 leg lock position that uh, he became famous for on the ultimate fighter season 22. He happened to be on the same season as Billy Quarantillo, who I uh, interviewed last week. And uh, he's been training with Faraz hobby though. And that was something that Billy told me, uh in an interview on friday i wasn't aware of that and he told me that he had been going up and, and spending some time training at fifty fifty with ryan and saying that his his wrestling and his striking were very underrated and I, I gotta be honest i thought he was just trying to say nice things about his buddy uh <laughs> but yeah ryan hall outstruck darren elkins he won the first two rounds handily and the reason he's able to throw so many wacky moves is because he's not afraid to end up on bottom because that's where he's best. And, you know, a couple of times Darren Elkins could have engaged and he chose not to probably wisely. Uh, I would have thought Darren Elkins would be reckless and even try to take Ryan Hall down, but he didn't do that. He tried to play it smart, but I think he was so worried about that M role that he kept getting caught with these big shots. And I don't know that he was in danger of getting knocked out. He, he got wobbled a couple of times, Um, because he wasn't expecting these spinning wheel kicks to the head and stuff. Um, so Ryan Hall looks great. Uh, his striking is definitely much improved from his days on the ultimate fighter. Uh, he looked very solid in this fight. My only problem with it was the third round where he kind of knew he had it locked up and he was running away from Darren Elkins, like turning his back and running. And this is something that is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, I feel like there should be something in the rules about this. There should be some kind of formal warning and, and after a warning, possibly a point deduction Um, because this is something that like, you can't, I understand if you're winning two rounds and and you're up and you want to, you want to get that decision, but you can't just not engage in a fight for an entire round. Um, And he didn't do it the whole round, but you know, actually had his back turned to him and, and ran in the opposite direction. And um, and I'm a fan of Ryan Hall. I've defended him times where a lot of people in the media have criticized him. But um, yeah, that was something that I was like, oh, why is he doing that? He looks so good in this fight. Um, so he did, he did lose that third round on two of the judges' scorecards, which I think uh, rightfully so. He looked confused when he heard the 29-28 score but i think two of those judges got it right but other than that ryan hall phenomenal man um it, it's scary to think the guy is so good on the ground and now he's got some weapons on the feet uh i i would say go back and watch this this fight because it, it it's definitely surprising to see this performance from ryan hall any thoughts jeff
1: yeah bill i mean uh even before we started recording here you asked me if i saw this fight and i said no you know, I didn't want to fall asleep so early. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, after hearing your breakdown, I, I think I'm going to have to go back and check this out because I myself have been critical of Ryan Hall just because, um, you know, in the last couple of years, it feels like jujitsu has gone away from um, trying to outposition people and it's gone more towards who can get a leg lock first you you can be in a bad position and get a leg lock on somebody um but uh you know with that said um you know hearing that ryan hall's striking has improved has uh has definitely made me think about maybe going back and watching this one um i feel like you know ryan hall he's great on the ground and to see him add another weapon to his arsenal, uh, I think that makes for a very dangerous fighter here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's a lot of interesting matchups for him in this division. You know what it was like watching Jeff in the original Willy Wonka? When, when you first see Willy Wonka walk out and he's got the cane and you think he's going to fall down on the ground, but then he does like that somersault. <laughs> that was what it was like watching Ryan Hall throw a spinning wheel kick. <laughs> like he thinks like he's just going to dive for Darren Elkins' legs and then he like jumps up and he's <laughs> he's trying to kick him in the face. Um so yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh Jonathan Martinez with a a knee knockout against Pingyuan Lu with 7 seconds to go in the fight. Uh so that was pretty cool. And then uh Benito Lopez. So Darren Elkins was the only team alpha male fighter to get a loss on this card out of the six that were on here. And, uh, Benito Lopez was the sixth. So he was, uh, he was the first victory for team alpha male unanimous decision over, uh, Vince Morales. And there were some, there was a pretty egregious, uh, foul in that fight by
1: Morales. And, um, did he kick him in the dick?
0: No, in the head,
1: no dick kick. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I would have respected him more. It was a dick shot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little dirtier to kick someone in the head. It affects the fight more. In any yeah. case, you can bounce back. You know, once your once your nuts descend uh, <laughs> from from inside your gut, um, but you know, getting rocked, you know, the, your head could be reverberating for for quite a while after that. So, um, you know, cool card. I was I. You know, I wasn't that into it and I had a lot going on and I had a really long day and uh, being out in the sun all day. So um, I I wish I could be more enthusiastic about it for you guys on our three year anniversary, no less. Um, (laughs) But I got to tell you, I'm excited for the card next week, Jeff. But before we get into that, uh, I want to talk about a little bit of scotch whiskey, because as you well know, it is scotch month on the podcast. So I'm going to talk to you about another one of my favorite scotches. I'm holding it right here for the viewers on YouTube. It is the McAllen 18 year old exclusively matured in selected Sherry Oak casks from Spain. Um, This is just a fantastic scotch. And this is another great place to start. Um, you could start easily with the 12 year. We've actually, we've talked about on the show before we had people come over and we did a blind taste test between the 12 and the 18. And, you know, most people couldn't tell which was which. And a lot of them said they like, they actually liked the 12 better. Um, so it, until your palate kind of adjusts to drinking scotch, um, you know, you could stick to the 12, the 10 is also, a very nice scotch. Um, I got to give a shout out because this bottle I'm holding in my hand, it actually came from a buddy of mine, the penny loafer pummeler, Paul, who's a teammate of mine at, at Gracie Clearwater. Um, and I'm positive he's listening to the show right now. So shout out to Paul brought this bottle over my house and he was part of that little taste test, a wine connoisseur, Paul is, uh, so he actually chose the 12 year over the 18 in that taste test. But, Really nice scotch. It, it's like we were talking about last week, Jeff. You know, there's PD scotches that have that smokiness to them because they, they use the peat smoke to to dry out the malt. Um, and then you have scotches that are more like dessert. This would be definitely like more on the sweeter dessert side. Um, it's got like a lot of chocolate notes on the nose. The flavor is like a lot of dried fruit. It's very rich, very full, much like the Glenlivet I was talking about last week. So definitely not on the peaty side with this one. It is um, a Highland single malt scotch. Uh, and like I told you guys last week, that term single malt just means it was distilled in one place. Um, that's it. Um, you know, the the malts didn't come from multiple distilleries. Um, but... Yeah. It's got a real smooth finish with a slight burn. Um, you know, it's got that dried fruit, a little bit of vanilla and Jeff, you have actually sipped on this one before. So, uh, you
1: can have a, a, a little bit of commentary here if you so choose. Yeah. I'm a fan. I like the van- the, the vanilla. I like uh, that. There's a little hint of fruitiness in the McAllen. Definitely up there is one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for, to get into scotches, I would recommend, you know, go to a, a bar that has a good selection and maybe maybe get a pour of the 12 year or the 10 year. Or maybe go and pick up a bottle that, you know, if you wanna if you wanna splurge a little bit and, and have a, a night. Goes great with a with like a mild tobacco cigar, like a sweet cigar. Uh nothing with with the tobacco age too much, like a Maduro. I would go with more of like a like a sweet tobacco to go with this one but yeah it's a great sipping scotch great for dessert and uh you know the hits keep on coming jeff we got to talk about these fine scotches because somebody out there seems to think that uh i don't know my booze so we got to dedicate an entire month to proving them wrong and uh, we'll keep on rolling through scotch month till the end of july and in the meantime you know i get to enjoy some really tasty beverages from across the pond and um Let's get into UFC on ESPN4. This is headlined by Rafael Dos Santos and Leon Edwards. This is actually a really great main event that is probably not going to have a lot of hype behind it because these are not two guys that are known to do too much talking. Um, you know, Leon Edwards is probably most famous for getting uh, 3 pieced and so did by <laughs> it, um backstage by Jorge Masvidal. Um, but you know, that was pretty out of character for him. I don't know who put him up for that. He's usually, you know, pretty respectful guy, great striker coming off a big win over Gunnar Nelson that was overshadowed by getting pieced up backstage. And, you know, Del- Dos Santos, uh, just Dos Santos, sorry, um, always, always in there as the top contender. Um, You know, he's he's been in there with some of the best in the world, former champ at lightweight, and, you know, he's been killing it at at welterweight, a couple of setbacks. But, um, you know, against really high-level wrestlers, it seems to be his only weakness. Uh, What are your thoughts on this main event, Jeff?
1: I'm excited for this one, Bill. Dos Anjos, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, he's not going to be going for Leon Edwards' legs. He's going to... Go in there and just try to take his limbs off of his body, um, and if that doesn't work, he's just gonna punch him in the face and use relentless pressure. Um, I'm really excited for this one. Two really good fighters, Leon Edwards, like you said, really good striker, but those años is just so well rounded. He can fight wherever the fight goes, whether it be on the ground, clinch. He's he's really good everywhere. So I'm excited for this one. Great main event, and honestly, Bill. I'm liking a lot of the fights I'm seeing on this card. We got Alexi Alnick versus Walt Harris. I think that one's going to be a slugfest. Uh, we have James Vick versus Dan Hangman Hooker. That is a really, really exciting card. I think that's probably the fight I'm excited for most, second only to Dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards. Um, Alexander Hernandez um, making his first appearance since getting knocked out by Donald Cerrone. Um, Andre Arlovsky, your boy. Versus Ben Rothwell, Alex Caceres mm-hmm. here, Raquel Pennington, Sam Alvey, uh, Roxanne M- Madafri, who's uh friend, um, Greenzilla, a.k.a. Serena De Jesus, friend of the show. Um, they're roommates together. Ray Borg is on here. Bill, I'm excited for this card.
0: What's yeah, man. Um, the Walt Harris and Alexi Olenek fight is really intriguing to me. Olenek, of course, coming off that TKO loss to uh, Alistair Overeem, but I saw him maybe a week later at the Fort Lauderdale card, and um, shook his hand. His hand is the size of my fucking head, Jeff. Um, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a very large head, but it's definitely not small. And he could he could palm my face like a basketball if he Jeez. wanted to. That's a large-handed man. Um, So that's an interesting fight, Walt Harris and and Olenek. That should be very interesting. If Olenek can get his hands on Walt Harris, um, you know, bad news. But if Walt Harris can keep the distance and kind of piece Olenek up, uh, he's, he's shown some susceptibility to that, but, uh, you know, Olenek very unorthodox striker as well. He comes in with those big clubbing strikes. So you just like swinging his fist, like a fucking action figure. <laughs> with The spring's broken. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I like the Ben Rothwell and Andre Orlovsky fight. You know, these are two old school heavyweights. This is actually a rematch. Andre Arlovsky knocked out Ben Rothwell in the third round. They fought each other in affliction. Um, a lot of people, yeah. How's that for a throwback? Uh, a lot of people may not even know this, but that terrible t-shirt company, the affliction t-shirt company, was an MMA promotion for a little while. Mm-hmm. They were the first ones to to bring Fedor Millionaco over uh from Pride. You know, once Pride was dissolved, uh, they used to fight MMA in a ring, and uh Andre Olovski fought Ben Rothwell there, and that was a long ass time ago. I want to say. It was 2008. Um, man, Arlovsky's been at this thing for fucking forever. He's been fighting 20 years now, Jeff. He's been fighting, you know, almost as long as the UFC's been around. Plus whatever, like, um, combat Sambo and stuff he was doing before that and whatever unsanctioned fights he had over in Belarus. Um, Jeez. So, yeah, just a fucking dog, man. I love Arlovsky. Um I'm always excited to see him on a card, even though, you know, haven't hasn't had the, the best of luck lately. And then, um, let's see, what was the other one? I was really excited for Roxanne Modafferi, of course, and Jennifer Maya. That should be an interesting fight. Um, yeah, Alexander Hernandez and Francisco Trinaldo is really interesting to me. And I'm, I'm looking at sure right now and they usually have these out of order, but I, they have that as the first prelim. Um, if that's the case, I'm going to tune in for that, but, uh that one should be a little bit higher up. Those are two two sluggers getting in there. And then James Vick and Dan Hooker, that's a fun fucking fight too. I still really like to see James Vick move up to welterweight, but uh if he's going to be there and and fight Dan Hooker, then fine, that's fun. I'm for it. I'm sold. I'll watch. Um yeah. so yeah, this should be a fun one, Jeff. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Any other thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, dude, just that James Vick versus Dan Hooker that fight and Alex uh, Alexi Olenek versus wall Harris, just four tough dudes man they're all durable um it this is gonna be like just looking up and down at this card it looks really exciting and Hernandez versus Trinaldo I am on um Wikipedia and it looks like that's gonna be on the main card don't hold mm-hmm. me though you know stuff moves around all the time but yeah dude um yeah this whole fight card looks really really good man might I I'm not even tuning in for the prelims for this one.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm excited. I don't think I have anything going on next weekend. No, no more bush gardens for me. So uh, I'm going to be home in the air conditioning watching this. Um, all right. I wanted to, uh, so we've been doing this for three years. Like I said, Jeff, and, um, I, I do appreciate everybody who's been a long time listener and who goes and Goes out of their way and takes some time to leave a review for the show. I, I really greatly appreciate that. Every single one of them. I wanted to go ahead and read one of the reviews we got recently, Jeff. Um, it had been a while since I went and checked them. I'm always asking you guys to do it. Now, so I thought, you know, I should go in and read them. So here is a very interesting one from Dirty Taint 717. It says, a go to podcast for anyone who didn't catch the fight. Pun game is pretty weak, but Bill definitely knows MMA. Great job explaining other promotions, too. Despite declaring he isn't a hipster, Bill tests coming out of the hipster closet with his talk of sour beers, pumpkin ales, and brewery tours. His reviews of bourbons, tequilas, and Japanese whiskey are awesome, but a clear attempt to hide the fact that he keeps a bottle of beard oil in his cardigan. (laughs) Here's the interesting part for you, Jeff. Jeff is a great co-host, though he mispronounces fighters' names unless he wants to bang them. Who knows? It may pay off for him one day. Definitely a go-to MMA podcast. And I found this fucking hilarious. I posted it on my Twitter, and I put a screenshot of my Instagram story because it was so funny. And it, it was good because... um you know, obviously, Dirty Taint Seven One Seven was trying to shit on us here, but they also show that they're a longtime listener because they brought up some things that we haven't talked about in a while. And whoever they are, they gave five stars. So I don't really care what you say in the review, and if it's really funny, I'll read it on the air. So get on there if you leave us five stars and you say some funny shit. Um, I'll I'll read it on the show, uh, and I I plan to check these a lot more often and. I think it puts a fun twist on it. Go ahead and make fun of us. We have thick skin. Um, and that's, that's why we're able to do this. That's why we've been sticking around for three years. Uh, if I gave in to all the people who have trolled us over the last three years, we wouldn't have lasted very long at all. But, um, you know, I enjoy a good ribbing, Jeff. I can take it. I've got a sense of humor, uh, despite what they say about me sometimes. So thanks for the five-star rating, dirty taint. And, um, you know i hope you get your taint cleaned <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> i don't know what else to say um i do own beard oil for the record uh <laughs> I, I, never, I never i never it i've never purchased it it's it's been given to me as a gift and um you know it Not does help me. with it does help with dry skin um maybe i am more of a hipster than i than i ever thought um and, and maybe i needed a, a a rating on my podcast to to bring this realization to light but in any case i I do appreciate everybody who takes the time especially to write such a thoughtful review that that both compliments and shits on us at the same time um so if you guys have some creative things to say please do leave us a five-star rating it really does help us out and um you know i'm planning some big things you know i've been doing some interviews and last couple of weeks we've been doing getting two episodes out a week and um You know, it's extra time, but if it's something you guys are interested in, let me know. Reach out on social media and and let me know if you want more content or what you want. If you want more interviews, if you want a different segment, um, you know, we've always been open to suggestions. Um, If you think I don't know about scotch, then I'll do an entire month talking about scotch. Uh, So if there's any booze you want to hear about, if there's any fight news you want us to focus on, we usually stay away from the drama and everything like that, but speak your minds, people. We love to hear it. You know, even if you're calling us hipsters, uh, in any case, if you want to reach out to Jeff on social media, you can do so at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget the animal is on Instagram now. So make sure to be giving them a follow on there. If you want to get a hold of me, it's at MMA on the rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. You can go to MMA on the rocks.com. You can send me an email at on the rocks at gmail.com. And, uh, that's it, man. Anything you want to get off your chest,
1: Jeff, or can we let the people go? Yeah, I mean, as for my section of the review, I, feel, <laughs> I felt it was accurate, Bill. <laughs> I did too, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, whoever whoever said that has been listening for a while because that was some detailed analysis.
0: It really was, and Dirty Taint seems to know you better than you know yourself. I think uh. so. That yeah. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> All <right>. everybody goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah in that case cheers everybody goodbye don't forget to check out contender series july 23rd i'll remind you guys next week too and uh once again cheers everybody goodbye